Samstapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rutapitam Ayam Dadati Swapitam Tikam Vandeham Sri Gurun Sri Dutaparatamalam Sri Gurun Vaishnavam Sita Sri Rupam Sagachatam Sagunaragnatam Vitam Tam Sudivam Sadvetam Savadutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sagunaradita Sri Satam Vitam Sita Namam Shivaraya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale Shimati Bhakti Viranta Swamiti Namne Namaste Sarasati Deve Gauravani Pucharine Nirvishesha Shunyavari Tashatra Deshatarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasari Gauravakta Vinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare Rama Hare Rama 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 Not being able to be uh, here for the whole week, uh, we're going to try to do this course in six days. And uh, today, tomorrow, here at the manor, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, at Soul Street, and Sunday, back here. And hopefully, that way we'll cover at least uh, the first portions of. Uh, a very important book, uh, Manashiksha. And uh, Manashiksha is written by our Acharya, uh, Sri Rupa Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami, who is a disciple and uh, most prominent follower of Srila uh, Rupa Goswami. We did this course partially in uh, during my poor festival, and uh, I wasn't quite sure of how to present the contents, uh, so we didn't tape it. This time, we're just asking, uh, we're just going to tape it here, and then if anyone wants copies, then they can get that copies uh, later from tape ministry. Uh, this course is going to be somewhat different than what we did in my poor, in that. Uh, I entitled the course Manashiksha, which means Instructions to the Mind, and uh, it deals with clearing anaitas, or purifying anaitas. And there is a very relevant portion of one of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's books named Chaitanya Shikshamrita, which deals with the purification of anaitas in relationship to uh, the um, pastimes of Lord Krishna and Lord Balaram killing demons. And that becomes a, as we read later on, it becomes a really practical means by which we can address individual anarchists and see how they become purified by hearing the relevant pastimes uh, which uh, represents uh, the destruction of different demoniac tendencies which is present in everyone. Before, uh, I see there's a lot of white here, aside from householders. Uh, which, what devotees have read all of Prabhupada's books here? Okay, so uh, you'll find that unless you've read at least Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, especially some parts of Chaitanya Charitamrita, that uh, there's going to be prerequisite information. You can come sit up here this morning. 
there's going to be prerequisite information which is going to make digesting or understanding this uh, somewhat difficult. Uh, this is not actually a subject matter for beginner devotees, but we're going to actually try to present it. If someone hasn't read Srila Prabhupada's books, then you may find that the uh, content and topics discussed are not so easily understood. Nonetheless, we're presenting everything from the point of view of Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti, and uh, therefore it will be practicable by uh, everyone. Uh, today, we're going to try to cover, uh, generally we had, in my we had classes for an hour and a half, and I realized we have both a marathon on, and uh, don't want to keep everyone up late. But, at the same time, uh, there's quite a bit of subject matter or ground to be covered. And, uh, in order to get through uh, the text, uh, we'd like to finish first verse today, as well as an introduction, uh, an overview of Manashiksha, and... Uh, also doing the first verse. Uh, then in the following tomorrow we'll do, I think, verse uh, 2 and 3, following day 4, 5, 6, 7, uh, and then verse 8 and 9, and then if we have time, verses 10 and 12. Uh, before we begin, uh, I'm using two... Uh, I'm using two books, or two translations of Manashiksha, one by Kushaprata Das, which is just the translation of the text itself, uh, no purports, and that is from uh, Stavavali, which is a collection of works by Raghunath Das Goswami. And uh, the other one, uh, which was published a few years ago uh, by Sarvabhavana Prabhu, and which is the book Manashiksha, along with the purports or explanations by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Uh, and uh, those purports uh, are known as Bhajan Darpana commentary. Uh, both of them are... I have another third reference, uh, and uh, neither of these seem to be of course, here it's just a matter of translating, and there's one or two mistakes just in understanding or in Sanskrit. And uh, here, uh, it would be nice if uh, I was able to read Bengali, I think, in which Dr. Notako originally commented on this, but I can't. Uh, I don't believe that the uh, author necessarily had a full grasp of what he was translating. And so some things don't seem to be perfect, uh, which is uh, often the case. I don't think that what I'm going to present, or at least that I have a perfect understanding of Manashiksha, but I'll try not to present those things that I don't understand and just present those that I do. Uh, 
We'll begin a little by speaking about Raghunath Das Goswami. And in Chaitanya Chaitamrita, Krishna uh, Das Kavaraj Goswami ends each particular chapter by offering his obeisances, Rupa Raghunath Padijara Ash. So to uh, Rupa Raghunath uh, Das Goswami. Srila Bhakti Santa Saraswati Thakur in his parting words uh, also gave instruction to his followers that our mission is to follow in the footprints of Rupa Raghunath Das Goswami. Uh, why is Raghunath Das Goswami so important? And, and actually, amongst six Goswamis, we know that Rupa Goswami is the foremost amongst all the Goswamis. Therefore, they are all known as Rupa Nugas, and we are also known as Rupa Anugas. We are followers of Rupa Goswami. And Raghunath Das Goswami, uh, I think I'll go through his life first. Uh, that's very nicely and elaborately explained in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, you can read there how he was the son of uh, Govardhan Rajamanandar's uncle was Hiranya. And they were very wealthy land owners, land barons. And he was the only son. Uh, that may not be a very big thing in Western culture. But in India, uh, the realm of sense gratification is somewhat different from in the West. And the greatest pleasure, enjoyment of a man is to be able to see his eldest son uh, come up, get raised, and take over the family tradition or the family line. And uh, that's uh, for them the essence of life, really. Uh, just like we saw, for instance, with Mr. Hinduja, when he lost his eldest son, it's like he really sort of gave up. He uh, was one of the richest men in the world. All meaning for living was more or less finished. So he's just going in the direction of becoming a devotee and just renouncing everything. Uh, so uh, these uh, two brothers were extremely wealthy tax collectors, and uh, Raghunath Das Goswami was their uh, only hope. Uh, we read in the life of Haridas Thakur in Ankhya that Haridas Thakur lived uh, in uh, their town after he left the place where uh, that uh, Ramchandra, what was his name? Chakravarti. Uh, Ramchandra Chakravarti. Ramchandra Khan. Ramchandra Khan, yes. Ramchandra Khan uh, tried to uh, allure him by uh, sending a very attractive prostitute. She then became converted to devotee, and uh, he left. One of the places he left and where he ended up residing uh, was in the same uh, town, village, uh, wherein uh, Raghunath Das Goswami and Govardhan were residing. And at that time he was uh, living at the house of uh, Balaramacharya, who happened to be the uh, guru uh, or acquaintance of uh, Govardhan Rajamanda. And uh, by association, Raghunath Das Goswami got the association of Srila Haridas Thakur. He heard from him constantly chanting of the holy names, 
So many heard about the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Nityananda. He established as a very little boy, as a young boy. And he developed a very intense, uh, in fact, a feverish uh, attachment to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And uh, had no other real desire in life other than to just become a uh, servant of Lord Chaitanya. So when he was... uh, (coughs) When he was 17 years old, then uh, he ran away from home and uh, went to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at Puri, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sent him back, told him that uh, this was not actually a good plan that he was doing, uh, that he shouldn't be so fanatical, but rather externally he should follow in the footsteps of his father and uncle, and behave like a materialist, but internally he should just always meditate on Radha and Krishna, and he should pray to Krishna, and by Krishna's mercy he'll get the opportunity to become freed from shackles of material existence. Raghunath Das Goswami did this for some time, and uh, after about a year, his mind just became sort of unhinged. It was very difficult for him to do that. Then his parents saw that. He constantly tried to leave and they brought him back and left and brought him back. Uh, They had guards, uh, full-time guards, three, four guards always guarding him day and night. So they were wealthy. They had so much opportunity, so much facility. And uh, finally, uh, his mother just told the father, that why don't you just chain him down? He says, you can't chain somebody down father said, but uh, they did try to chain him, and that they got him married to a very, very beautiful girl who was uh, like a heavenly damsel, like an angel. So he had everything. He had a beautiful wife, unlimited wealth, unlimited facility for sense gratification, but wasn't interested in any of it. So uh, Raghunadas Goswami used to sleep outside. He wouldn't even sleep in the same house with uh, his wife or family. He would sleep outside, and the guards would watch him outside. So one night, late, late at night, just before sunrise, early in the morning, uh, before Mangalati, then the guard fell asleep. So he thought, oh, I'll try to escape again. Oh, no, the guards fell asleep. And at that time, uh, his, uh, his spiritual master, Yadunanda Nacharya, came. And uh, Yadamanacharya told them that the Pujari group, seems like devotees left their services even at that time, and he asked Raghunath Das Goswami, please go find out where he is and convince him to come back to take up his service to the deity. So Raghunath Das, uh, at that time, he, uh, instead of going to find the Pujari, he took advantage of the opportunity and uh, left and went not by the main road, but went by the uh, uh, very small path uh, leading towards uh, Puri. And he traveled, I think for 14 days he traveled, and out of those 14 days he only ate three times. He would just go to the house of a milkman and just beg for some milk, and he would drink that milk, and that was all that he ate. Uh, Finally, he... uh, came to, of course, I'm leaving out a lot, 
uh, and you can read, for instance, the uh, Chet Prize Festival by which Raghunath Das Goswami was able to achieve the mercy of Lord Nikananda, by whose grace he was able to get away. But uh, I'm just going uh, in this briefly at the present. And finally, when he did come to Jagannath Puri, at that time he was 19 years old, so he was a very young man. And he uh, he came there and uh, fully took shelter of Lord Chaitanya. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, at that time gave him to Swarup Damodar Goswami, and Swarup Damodar Goswami uh, took Raghunath Das Goswami like his secretary or assistant. So amongst all the Goswamis, uh, Raghunath Das Goswami was the only one to actually personally witness Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes over an extended period of time. Sanatana, Rupa Goswami, they would come and visit but they stay for some time, and then they go. And they never lived with Lord Chaitanya. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was always with Sarup Damodar, and Sarup Damodar was always with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, uh, therefore, they were always together, always uh, associating. And so he had personal experience and direct instruction from Lord Chaitanya. And it was from that experience and uh, witnessing of Raghunath Das Goswami that the main framework of Chaitanya Charitamrita also came because Krishna Tabiraj and Raghunath Das Goswami were very uh, intimate associates, intimate friends. Their places of bhajan, they were just that far apart, just between Shamakund and Radhakund, very close by. Uh, Raghunath Das Goswami, after he came, Ultimately, of course, his father knew where he'd gone to, but once he'd already gone to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he just couldn't bring him back anymore. So he sent some servants, and there was regular income of money. And Anyway, there are many nice stories which you can read about in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And also, Chaitanya, uh, Raghunath Das Goswami's life is also recounted in the book Bhakti Ratnakar, which is sort of in a manuscript form. Bhakti Chuma translated, but it never got printed, hasn't been printed as yet. And uh, there also uh, Raghunath Das Goswami's life is described. So he was personification of austerity and he uh, even in Jagannath Puri after a while he recognized that taking uh, begging uh, uh, taking uh, money from my father I've taken to the renounced sort of life but I'm still depending on gold coins which my father is sending. So he sent the servants back and said, I don't want any money. Even though with the money he was always inviting Lord Chaitanya and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates for a feast, but still he stopped. And then he started to beg outside the Sringadhara gate and uh, people would come and give him some foodstuffs and he'd collect two handfuls of foodstuffs in there. But then he thought, what is this? I'm just standing at this gate and I'm looking, thinking, will this person give me something? Will that person give me something? I'm just like a prostitute. So this is not... This. So he would just go around then to the shops and just ask the shops just for a little something. And in due course of time, he also stopped that. And he just went to the back of the temple where the uh, <coughs> cooks... Uh, after, you know, when you clean rice, then you take out black or hard portions of rice, you take it out and you throw it out. So that rice which was thrown out, 
uh, it was thrown in the back, and then the cows would come and munch on it. So what the cows didn't eat, then Raghunath Das Goswami took that, and he soaked that and boiled it in water and ate it with salt. And that was his prasadam, which is what he ate. Um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also gave Raghunath Das Goswami a uh, Govardhan Shila that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu received, and he used to mm, touch this Govardhan Shila to his face, and he would uh, embrace it, thinking that it was non-different than Lord Sri Krishna. And he gave this to Raghunath Das Goswami, as well as some, uh, it's stated like conch shells in Chaitanya Charitamrita, but they're actually gunja beads, the actual word is gunja, which are little red and black berries and white berries that you can find in uh, Vrindavan or even grow in Mayapur. And uh, uh, he was uh, indicating to Raghunath Das Goswami that uh, by giving him Govardhan, that uh, he gave him a place to reside uh, near Govardhan Hill, which was specifically Radhakund. And the Gunjamala uh, was uh, indicating that he should be and recipient of the mercy of Srimati Radharani. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave him specific instructions on how to worship this. So up until Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, remained on this planet, Raghunath Das Goswami stayed there. And that was uh, up until perhaps he was about 25 or maybe 27 years old, something like that. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left, of course that was a great difficulty for all Vaishnavas at that time. Just like you can imagine how much difficulty uh, there is now, the Prabhupada leaves in Krishna consciousness movement. Uh, so, uh, difficulty not in our sense, we have difficulty in figuring out how to be Krishna conscious, but their difficulty uh, was just feeling great separation from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he resided with Sarva Damodar, but then within a few months, Sarva Damodar Goswami also left. And within a few months after that, after the year of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then he stayed with Gadadha Pandit. And then Gadadha Pandit also couldn't stand separation, so he also left. So then all devotees, associates, they were all leaving, and Raghunath Das Goswami was just residing there in uh, Puri. So he decided to go to Vrindavan and commit suicide by jumping off of Govardhan Hill. Uh, when he, uh, on his way there, as he was going there, uh, Sanatana and Rupa Goswami, they were living in Vrindavan at that time. And they got, they received instruction in dream from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that Raghunath is coming. And you should take care of him like your younger brother, because they were elder than him, uh, almost another generation older. And uh, you should take care of him like your younger brother. And he's planning to do this thing, so you should stop him. So then they met. And uh, they told him, we know what you're planning to do. And uh, this is not a fit thing, and this is the instruction of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So now you should just follow this. So then they uh, instructed him to reside at Radhakun, uh, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally had found. And Raghunath uh, Das Goswami was very much instrumental in excavating Radhakun, uh, make, uh, finding the different places of Lord Krishna's pastimes in the area and making it what it is at the present time. He lived there for 50 years, practically didn't really go anywhere else from Radhakun, up until he was almost 80 years old, 75, 80 years old. 
and uh, his uh, contribution, a specific contribution which we were speaking about previously, was writing many important books, like the Savavali is one, in which Manashiksha is one important, a very important, uh, I shouldn't say book because it's only 12 verses, uh, so you could call it, but we'll call it a book. And uh, other very important books like Vilapjusumanjali and so on. So these books uh, are uh, very important for uh, Rupanuga followers, <coughs> followers of Rupa Goswami. Because Raghunath Das Goswami, more than any of the other Goswamis, showed uh, a sadaka, or a practicing devotee, how to follow and execute Rupa Goswami's instructions, how to practice them. Rupa Goswami gave the instructions, uh, and that was his contribution. But Raghunath Das Goswami showed us how to put into practice what Rupa Goswami had actually given. Uh, so many other nice books also, like Janakiri Chintamani and Charita. So in these books, uh, Raghunath Das Goswami explained the science of pure devotional service as it's coming down from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and which is very rarely uh, understood by even elevated devotees of Lord Krishna. Unless one has the mercy of Goswamis, one cannot really understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's preachings. And uh, for that reason, that is why we're doing this, studying this, to actually understand uh, in detail what it is that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has actually given us in terms of uh, the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. Mm. Bhagavad Gita is the basics, but in Bhagavad Gita everything is not stated. Uh, it's there, if it's there, then it's there in very, very hidden and very codified way. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by his personal teachings and example, uh, very explicitly, openly, uh, personally tasted and experienced all the mellows of devotional service and instructed especially the Goswamis to elaborate on these more and more and more in their books. And therefore Goswami's books are very important to us. For instance, we don't consider that this Manashiksha is any less Shastra or any less Veda than Vedanta, Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, in fact, generally, uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavas, they consider Goswami's books to be more because what Goswamis write, uh, Shukadeva Goswami didn't speak, and Shilabhyasadeva didn't write down. So they are expanding upon those teachings. And here, uh, in connection with understanding how to uh, instruct our mind, starting with purifying it from the Narthas, and ultimately directing it to the lotus feet of Radha and Krishna. So uh, there are uh, these three points which I wanted to uh, mention, which were characteristic of Raghunath Das Goswami. One is, is that he showed us, by very practical example, how to practice the teachings of Rupa Goswami up to the highest limit. The second uh, is that Raghunath Das Goswami showed by his personal example how to experience the mood of separation from Radha and Krishna. Because it is that mood of separation by which one actually learns how to cultivate Krishna consciousness. And that separation is 
a very important thing to know. Uh, it is an important thing to know. It may start even in our present state. Uh, for instance, if we are serious about becoming Krishna conscious and we know our position in the material world as being very, very fallen living entities, then we'll feel some separation. Oh, I want Krishna consciousness. I would like to get Krishna. If we don't have, uh, but I don't, but I have attraction to this material world, and I'm still being uh, enticed here by my material attachments. So, but somehow not what I want to get. So we have to feel that desire to want it, uh, feel that separation from Krishna. That can be done even at the present time. That is the particular mood by which we chant Hare Krishna. That is specific mood by which the devotees are supposed to do japa, and that's the specific mood the devotees are supposed to be doing kirtan in. It's meant to be done in this mood of separation. That's why sometimes uh, we point out that wild swinging around and so on may make you forget that you're actually supposed to be in a certain mood when chanting, and that mood is meant to be feeling separation. If by that feeling of separation you end up in wild dancing, that's something else. But uh, the important thing is not necessarily the external, but the internal. So mood of separation and exclusive dependence on Srimati Radharani. This is the third point. Is that uh, Sarup Damodar Goswami explains uh, in, and these are one of the uh, seed verses of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Shriyam means this is a great treasure uh, and uh, a great secret Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has revealed. Uh, just very simply, without getting too much into uh, the esoteric significance, uh, we hear how Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha Bhavaduti Suvalita Nomi Krishna Swarupam. That he is uh, Lord Krishna in the mood of Srimati Radharani. And that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come to taste specifically the mood of Srimati Radharani. So uh, often devotees also make this point erroneously that Lord Chaitanya came to distribute the mood of Radharani. But that's false because no one is capable of relishing the mellows of devotional service like Radharani does. Uh, that is only for Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in that mood. But rather, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, experienced also, we read in Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, in one pastime when Krishna and the gopis were playing in the water, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, in the mood of their assistance on the bank of the Jamuna. Or in another time, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was picking flowers, he was also said, I was instructed by the gopis. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu not only experienced the mood of Radharani, but all mellows. He was in the mood of cowherd boy, he was in the mood of gopi, he was in the mood of Radharani, in the mood of Krishna, in Navadvipa's mood of Narayan or Vishnu, and specifically he was also in the mood of Dasi, or servant of the gopis. And specifically that is the real treasure, or that is the real... Uh, esoteric teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or the highest gift uh, made available by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the conditioned living entities through the Goswamis. And uh, that is the particular mood 
of the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Exclusive dependence on Srimati Radharani as Radharani's servants uh, or uh, dasis. Uh, I say we use this word exclusive dependence on Radharani because in our Gaudiya line, in our Gaudiya Sampradaya, we first worship Radharani and then we worship Krishna. We uh, prefer and we're uh, focused first on uh, the Lord's pleasure potency, Ladini Shakti, Swarup Shakti, and then on Lord Krishna. And that in itself is a whole other discussion, a whole other topic, which we won't talk about here in the beginning. Maybe if we have time uh, in the end, uh, then we'll get uh, to that. It isn't so fundamental to the um, beginning of this book. But these are the three main points, uh, just highlighting Raghunath Das Goswami's teachings, how to practice the teachings of Rupa Goswami, uh, how to always be in the mood of separation. Raghunath uh, Das Goswami would often just lie on the bank of the uh, Radhakund and uh, greatly lamenting and simply calling out in separation from Srimati Radharani and Lord Krishna and exclusive dependence on Radharani. Uh, just a little more about uh, Raghunath Das Goswami's ontological identity. Uh, there are, uh, in eternal liberated souls, two particular identities uh, which devotees possess. And one is called uh, one's sadaka shivir, or one's form as a practicing devotee, and the other one is called siddha uh, or one's uh, relationship uh, in connection with Lord Sri Krishna. So, not that one is, especially, for instance, with Raghunath Das Goswami, he is a sadhaka. Sadhaka means a practitioner, a devotee, a practicing devotee. And he's always a practicing devotee, associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But simultaneously, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is also Lord Sri Krishna, so Raghunath Das Goswami also has his identity uh, in Lord Krishna's pastimes. Uh, and there uh, he's known as Rati Manjari, or sometimes Tosi, uh, or sometimes Banumati. Different names, but same person. And some will refer to this uh, at some later point. Now, uh, I'll go over a brief overview of this book, Manashiksha, uh, from... Uh, my understanding, I've heard that Srila Bhakti Santa Saraswati Thakur had his devotees in the temple uh, read this Manashiksha on a daily basis, as part of their daily sadhana. Uh, and uh, we'll see at the end that Raghunath Das Goswami also gives a false a benediction, that by uh, chanting this verse, uh, these verses every day, and understanding them, uh, that one can get the uh, I'll go over this very, very generally, uh, what the uh, 12 uh, verses are, and then we'll start by studying verse 1. Uh, verse 1, yes. So the, uh, I've done this in a question and answer format, so it's uh, somewhat easy to follow. And there are certain uh, 
uh, analysis of the verses uh, which can be done. Uh, these are from my perception, although I haven't particularly read it or seen it uh, in uh, the explanation themselves. Uh, first verse, uh, the question is posed, and this is how Shiva Bhakti works up on using this question-answer system, is what do you do when faith in Krishna Tata manifests within a conditioned living entity, within a jiva? And here, uh, I want to highlight uh, the faith in Krishna. And the specific faith in Krishna means Krishna Shamasundar. It doesn't mean Krishna and Dwarka or Krishna and Mathura. It doesn't mean uh, any incarnation of Krishna. It simply means Krishna, who is the son of Nanda Maharaj. So, uh, by good fortune, uh, Bhagavanaji, someone becomes very fortunate, Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai Bhakti Someone gets some shraddha, some faith. And this shraddha is a very, very difficult commodity to achieve. So what does someone do when he acquires uh, faith in Krishna Pitta, hearing the topics about Krishna? So the answer to this is that one should accept diksha, uh, accept spiritual master, take mantra from him, worship Radha and Krishna, Vaishnavas and gurus, uh, gurus in the plural sense, meaning Diksha Guru and Shiksha Gurus. So these are the three things which are stated here. Uh, is that one should, uh, excuse me, no, there are not three things, there are more things. Take Diksha, take Mantra, worship Radha and Krishna, the Vaishnavas and the Gurus. Here, uh, the question infers uh, the state of Shraddha, uh, Adol Shraddha, or preliminary stage. And the answer uh, specifically relates to Sadhu Sangha, or the association of Vaishnavas, spiritual master, and so on. Although the process of Diksha uh, specifically is also a part of Bhajana Kriya. Uh, I'm giving uh, the parallel, devotees should know this verse, uh, for by Rupa uh, Goswami. And so on. So uh, these are the different stages of advancement in devotional service. The second question becomes then a consequence of the first, and there is very uh, intricate uh, and intimate connection between the particular verses. Uh, Ragnadas Goswami then says, "Well, uh, there were three points." in the answer to the first one, that one should take mantra, take diksha and take mantra, then one should worship Radha Krishna and the Vaishnava and gurus. So three questions arise from this. Is, if you're supposed to take diksha and just chant Hare Krishna all day long, then how are you supposed to maintain yourself, as well as perform your religious duties? How are you supposed to work and live in this world? Uh, while being, this is a very familiar question to us, because this is also Arjuna's question. Uh, when he hears about uh, work uh, and renunciation, uh, he thinks that this means these are contradictory things, and that renunciation means going off into the forest, and how is he supposed to reconcile that with working? The second point is it says, worship Radha, Krishna, Vaishnava, and Gurus. So in the first mantra, Lord Chaitanya was not mentioned. And as Gaudiyas, we're very much concerned 
in what is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's view and opinion on things. So the next question is, well, how does one see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu if he is worshipping Radha and Krishna? Or what is the relationship of Radha, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's worship, with the worship of Radha and Krishna? And the third point is there was a statement about that one should worship also Vaishnavas in the Gurus. And the question to that becomes, well, what is the mood of worshipping Gurus or spiritual master? How do you worship them? When do you worship them? Uh, and at what point do you worship them? So I'm just giving brief answers, and then of course the, we'll go these in detail. But the answer uh, is that uh, to the first one is there are two uh, levels at which someone uh, chants Hare Krishna after he's received Diksha. One is as a practitioner or a sadhaka, and the second is when someone has become a siddha. So as long as one is a sadhaka and still uh, struggling to purify anarthas and come to the perfectional stage, one should perform one's duties. That means one's religious duties, one's householder duties, so many other duties which are there, dharmas, but one should do them in a mood of detachment, and that detachment must be there. And one should do it as a service to Lord Krishna. When one, uh, through the process of offenseless chanting, purifies an artist and comes to the platform, to the perfectional platform, then he's considered to be siddha. And at that point, one can then give up one's obligations, one's sarva dharma antaritsidja, and one can at that point, Raghunadasya's renounce and go to Bindavan. But until one does that, uh, then it is an artificial position. So uh, the answer is twofold. Uh, for the immature devotee, uh, one should practice uh, and perform one's religious duties, live in this world, maintain family, and so on, in a sense of detachment. Uh, and you should note that the sense of detachment is required for the practitioner, the intimate. It isn't that the detachment is for the mature devotee. That's also detachment is there. But there one may become... When one is fully mature, one may renounce all these things, and then one can go and reside in Vrindavan Dham and just simply chant Hare Krishna all day long and meditate on Radha and Krishna. And the same answer is given to the last two questions. The last two questions, if you remember, were, how do we see Lord Chaitanya in this picture, and how do we worship gurus? So answer is, is that Guru and Guranga should be worshipped in that order. First Guru, and then Goranga, before you worship Radha and Krishna. In other words, worshipping Radha and Krishna means you must first worship spiritual master and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And one way question, well, when do I do it? Is it always? Sada. That will always worship. There's never any time when we're not worshipping in that particular order. So, uh, that is verse 2. Verse 3 uh, is a very very interesting question, very relevant question, uh, which many devotees often ask. And here I will also be discussing the distinction between, or the different types of sadhana bhakti. In other words, we'll talk about vairi sadhana bhakti and uh, raganuga sadhana bhakti. But the specific question here is, is that can a person achieve uh, the perfectional stage of uh, this 
sadhana or pure devotional service, which is technically known as ragatmika bhakti, uh, outside of our Gaudiya Sampradaya. Because the devotees ask, well, what about the other paramparas, and what about the other sampradayas, and do they get to go back home, back to Godhead? So here we're specifically, Raghunath Das Goswami answers this question, and uh, we're specifically ask, speaking about a certain uh, context of perfection. And that means uh, achieving the uh, standard of perfection, which we discussed in the very beginning, which is Krishna Kata, or uh, going back to God to Sri Vrindavan Dam, uh, where Krishna is engaging in his loving pastimes with Vrindavasis. So the answer, Raghunath Das Goswami says, it's possible, but it's very difficult and very rare. Anything's possible, but very, very difficult to achieve and very, very rarely achieved. But in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, if one follows in the footsteps of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then it becomes very, very easy. The fourth question uh, deals with uh, obstacles in uh, this uh, practice of devotional service, Raga Bhajan. And this is a extension of uh, a phrase which Raghunath Das Goswami gives in the first verse, Damba Hitva Kururatim, Damba Hitva. Damba means pride. He says that you should throw out pride. And then he goes on to answer these other questions. But then he comes back to this point about getting rid of pride. And uh, at this point, uh, we'll also introduce uh, some of our other demon friends from Krishna books, from Srimad Bhagavatam. And we'll find Bhaktivinoda <coughs> Thakur, which are also found in the rest of this particular uh, teaching. Uh, so he says, what are the particular obstacles to practicing Krishna consciousness? And in verses uh, 4 to 8, in 4, 5, 6, 7, in five verses, uh, Raghunath Das Goswami only discusses this particular topic, which is of great importance to the practitioner devotee. So he talks about, first, the external obstacles. And the external obstacles he talks about are mundane talk, or what we call prajapa, asadvarta, uh, so useless talk. Uh, the second is desire for impersonal liberation as impediment to this rag bhajan. And the third one, uh, you'll be surprised to note, uh, is uh, not particularly considered to be an anartha, but it's an obstacle to going back to Vrindavan Dam, and that is to becoming attached to uh, Lord Narayan, Lakshmi, or other incarnations, or other forms uh, of Krishna. Uh, what is that phrase? Lakshmi Pati Rati Vyomnanayanin. Lakshmi Pati Rati, to become attached to Lakshmi Pati, or the husband of Lakshmi. So we'll describe these things in detail. So uh, another question comes up in this fourth uh, verse, is how these things can be removed. And uh, Raghunath Das Goswami gives the answer that you should worship Radha and Krishna in Vrindavan. And it's a codified answer, and with Bhaktivinoda Thakur's uh, purports, then it becomes Without Bhaktivinoda Thakur, it would be impossible to actually understand 
these things. They're just codes. Uh, so much information is presented uh, in there. I'll actually read something here by Primo Thakur's own words. He says, Falling humbly at the lotus feet of Srila Raghunath Das Goswami, who is respected throughout the universe as a spiritual master, I commenced the Sri Bhajan Darpan, which is a commentary on his book, Sri Manashiksha. Srila Raghunath served, severed all family attachment and took complete shelter at the lotus feet of Lord Garanga, who invented in Kali Yuga his munificent incarnation of the Supreme Godhead. On Lord Garanga's request, Srila Sarab Damdara Goswami revealed to Raghunath Das Goswami all the recondite conclusions of scriptures on the science of unalloyed devotion. These twelve verses of Sri Manashiksha are therefore the source of life and inspiration to the entire Gaudiya Vaishnava community. For by instructing his own mind, Raghunath Das Goswami teaches all Vaishnavas. Hmm. Then he says, Sri Manashiksha answers uh, this important question, which was just the first question. And in Sri Bhajan Darpan, every point in these verses is explained in detail and all the inner esoteric meanings revealed. So the detail of Manashiksha and the esoteric meanings of Manashiksha we couldn't understand without uh, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's explanation. Question five uh, refers to, uh, we'll go back to number four, and that number four, Raghunath Das Goswami spoke about external obstacles. And uh, now uh, the questions are, what are the internal obstacles towards our practice of your devotional service. And he gives six of these. He says there are lust, anger, greed, delusion, pride, and envy. And the natural question is how to become free from them. And he gives a very nice answer. He says you have to know how to cry out for the help of the devotees. That the basis for overcoming all these things is by association of Vaishnavas. And to be able to call out for their, you can't get their help unless you know how to actually ask for it. Like a little child, if slams his finger in the door or something happens, and immediately starts to scream, starts to call out for mother. So they don't have any qualms about crying if there's a problem. So similarly, we also have to cry. And what obstructs us from that crying is often our pride, that we're something else other than uh, what we actually are. So a question comes up, is, uh, which is the sixth verse, is what happens if someone's freed from lust and anger, which are, in one sense, sort of the gross manifestation, uh, but one doesn't become free from deceit. So we mentioned that there were these six different internal obstacles, uh, and uh, some of these are grosser and more easily purified than others. So what happens if deceit is there? Deceit means duplicity. So Raghunath Das Goswami gives a nice answer. Uh, or uh, Actually, it's Bhaktivinoda who gives a nice answer. He says that you have two choices. One is you can become a deceitful devotee. And that's what may often happen if one doesn't actually take to the process. And the other is that one can become free uh, from that. And how to become free? He says the only way to become free from deceit by practicing humility. And we'll read about uh, that. Uh, one could ask another question. Well, what if I try so many times to become free from deceit, but it still hasn't worked? 
Uh, I haven't been able to get rid of things like false prestige, distinction, mm, pratishta. Mm. Then uh, he gives another recommendation. He says, aside from calling out for uh, help from Vaishnavas, then you must worship the pure devotees of the Lord. And question eight goes on from that, asking, well, what if there's no pure devotees available? If sometimes that's a problem, devotees think, well, this Prabhupada was the only pure devotee and there's no one really who can help me in Krishna consciousness. Then even in that condition, Raghunath Das Goswami gives an answer. He says, you should pray to Krishna with humility to become Radharani's servant. In other words, one should then uh, simply pray and Krishna will do the needful. Uh, in the following, by this point, uh, at this uh, eighth question, Raghunath is sort of the turning point. Uh, in other words, at this point, a practitioner, if he's gotten this far, uh, then uh, <coughs> by applying this particular uh, instruction, he'll become absorbed and realize that the end uh, or the goal uh, is sufficient to satisfy or to uh, free him from all means, uh, all the particular obstacles. It also serves as the ultimate means. And uh, by quickly practicing that, uh, best under the guidance of the devotees while worshipping uh, the uh, advanced Vaishnavas, one will become free from these anaitas. And happily, uh, one comes to the uh, ninth verse, whereby we no longer uh, uh, speak about anaitas or uh, absorb ourselves in our own deficiencies. But uh, the question becomes that uh, in the eighth set it says that you should pray to Krishna with humility. So uh, there's how do you pray to Krishna with humility? And what do you pray for? So many nice prayers are given there by Bhakti Vinod Thakur, uh, expanding on Raghunath Das Goswami's instruction. And specifically, uh, we're given answers is that uh, we should learn how to pray to Krishna uh, for his mercy, and we'll discuss what that mercy actually means, uh, and pray to Srimati Radharani for her service. And then we pray to Lalita Devi to be accepted as Radharani's servant, and Vishaka to develop spontaneous devotional service, and we worship Radha-kund uh, in order to be able to get darshan of Radha and Krishna, and worship Giriraj, or Govardhan Hill, uh, as a place of residence, uh, to receive a place of residence near him, which means living in Radha-kund. In question 10, uh, there's a question as to what are the actual glories and aspects of Srimati Radharani's service, and uh, a hint of these is being given. And uh, also, it is stated, what are the requirements to understand uh, Radharani's service? And there are three answers which are given there, or three elements, and that is humility, greed, and determination. And the eleventh is the last verse, or last specific instruction, and uh, that answers the question of what the specific details of this service are. And the twelfth verse is what is called a false duty, uh, or it explains what is the fruit or the benefit of hearing and regularly reading uh, this manashiksha. Um, well, we're not going to get to verse 1.
can start actually at 7.30 sharp. Uh, I can't go to verse 1 because I wanted to just briefly uh, go over some things which you don't really have to write because we'll go over in detail. But uh, although this isn't the way Bhakti Vinod Thakur uh, writes, but I took the liberty to sort of wed these two things together. And uh, that was especially in the portion where the uh, different anarthas are being uh, described. Uh, to uh, These anarthas are analyzed by Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, in relationship to some of Krishna's pastimes. Krishna has specifically two types of pastimes. And these pastimes are called Nitya and Naimitika. Nitya are Krishna's eternal pastimes that always take place uh, in the spiritual realm, in the transcendental realm. And Naimitika are those pastimes like Krishna specifically killing of demons, uh, going to uh, killing Kamsa, going to Mithura, and so on. These things take place in the material world. And they're uh, present in the spiritual world only by dint of, well, Prabhupada is conspicuous by their absence. So people hear of them, people talk of them, but they never happen. But everyone knows about it. So uh, these uh, two activities, the Nitya activity and Naimitika activity, they are both objects of meditation. And we read very often Srila Prabhupada or in lectures, he emphasizes that there's no difference between Krishna speaking Bhagavad Gita or fighting on the battlefield of Kurukshetra uh, than Krishna's uh, Rasalila or dancing with the gopis. And from the absolute point of view, uh, that is our understanding, that both of them are meant for the purification of devotees. However, uh, the uh, specifically the nitya, or the eternal pastimes, uh, Krishna specifically uh, eightfold daily revolving pastimes that go on in the spiritual realm, are meant for eternally liberated souls or one who has already come to the platform of becoming purified. And if one artificially uh, meditates on these activities uh, without having purified his heart, then he'll over, uh, come into great problems in spiritual life. But these naimitika activities, or these occasional activities, as they're called, uh, which are characteristic of the field, they're very uh, instrumental for qualifying us to uh, appreciate the nitya, or eternal pastime or more intimate pastimes of the Lord. And uh, therefore we should not minimize them, think that they're less, or well, it's just all killing and killing. They have, and sometimes people criticize, they, mm -hmm. when you sell Krishna book and they open it up, and it's a nice book for children, it's just all, of course, <laughs> violence, it's one killing after another. And it's kind of God this, all of it is just kill, kill, kill. But it has very important uh, relevance to the uh, sadhakas, because by the understanding of these leelas and pastimes, uh, we can become uh, very easily free from the anarthas specific demons represent. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur, uh, in one book, uh, mentioned Chaitanya Shikshamrita, he uh, uh, records the particular anarthas and the corresponding demons, which uh, represent uh, different anarthas. And I'm just going to read them quickly and then uh, we'll leave some time for some questions at the end. 
So these anarthas, not, not only are these actually anarthas, but they're also external obstacles towards devotional service. Like, for instance, in Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, uh, Shukadeva Goswami explains that the false duty of remembering Lord Varaha's uh, Leela pastime is that one will become victorious in any battle or any situation where one is in. In other words, the remembering of these pastimes has great benefit in not just our internal battles, but so many obstacles that we come across even here in the material world. That is why, for instance, why we pray to Lord Nishingadev every day. By remembrance of Lord Nishingadev, internal, internal and external obstacles are also removed. Okay, so, first demon, uh, Putana. Putana represents the bogus guru who preaches sense gratification and liberation. And by uh, meditating and understanding this pastime, we become protected from being victimized by such personalities. Also, Srila Bhaktivinoda points out that uh, this also represents Lord Krishna protecting the very fledgling and innocent ecstasy uh, within the heart of a the practitioner, a devotee, as a young Vaishnava. The Shakatasura, or the cart demon, which is actually not really referred to in Krishna book. It just states that Krishna killed a cart, but there was a demon in the cart also. So uh, this is a, a very valuable story for us to meditate on. And uh, I know that after uh, reading these things, I took much more uh, importance or value. I was able to appreciate these pastimes more. It deals with what's called a load-bearing mentality. Now, I don't know how good a translation that is. But anyway, what it's supposed to mean is that we have different habits, problem habits, that we carry on as loads as our past, from our past karma in this life or from previous lives as we come to devotional service. So just like this cart had different loads in it, so Krishna kicks apart all these uh, burdens that we carry from our previous karma uh, by this particular uh, lila pastime. And what it also uh, destroyed, the result of this so-called carrying of this karma is it results in dullness and false pride. Dullness means, as we say, sometimes spaced out, and false pride that everyone knows. Trinavita destroys the false pride due to scholarship. That someone thinks I'm a great scholar, therefore I must be a great devotee. And I'm very proud of my scholarship because there were even some Prabhupada's disciples who thought that by learning Sanskrit they became even more than Prabhupada. So the result of this scholarship uh, is speculation, uh, getting into all kinds of uh, wrangling, argument, argumentative mentality, what to speak of other diabolical philosophies. So all of these things are purified from the heart by this Trinavarta uh, killing. Yamal Arjun, the two Arjuna trees as they're pulled down. This refers to, I think if everyone contemplates that, you can figure out uh, what this represents. This represents pride due to aristocracy, high birth. And what was the result of that? It was intoxication, free sex, cruelty to animals, uncontrolled eating, loose language, violence, and so on. 
So these things become... Uh, <laughs> You're just sitting on the edge of your chair. Right? <laughs> These things uh, become uh, destroyed by uh, hearing and meditating on these pastimes. When I say the word hearing and meditate, I'll, uh, I don't have the quote here, but uh, hmm. if I had. Uh, uh, Bhakti Vinod Thakur says that uh, as uh, a devotee who chants Hare Krishna and uh, a practitioner devotee of chanting Hare Krishna, if he meditates and uh, remembers these particular pastimes, uh, then the effect of purifying oneself from these things will very quickly take place. Uh, Bhatsasura uh, represents uh, greed, uh, re- uh, purifying greediness uh, from the heart. Bakasura, the bak, or what is it, stork? Duck. Like that. Duck type thing. So uh, he represents duplicity, deceptive behavior, and hypocrisy. Mm. And obviously the result of that is cheating activities. So uh, Krishna kills this anatta uh, from the receptive hearer. Agasura is the quality of a snake. So this is cruelty to others due to envy. So one becomes free from the envious uh, mentality. Mm-hmm. And Brahma Mohan, or the bewilderment of Lord Brahma, we'll see how these, because they were, as you see when we read them, they apply to so much. This uh, removes fruit of acts and speculation, and uh, Bhakti Notakra said it also rectifies the misconception of favoring Aishwarya uh, Puja over Madhurya. Um, so, very important things. In other words, desire for karma and desire for gyan, these become eradicated from the heart by hearing this uh, Lord Brahma's bewilderment and how he was chastised by Lord Krishna. Denukasura, the ass demon. Anyway, ass is representative of ignorance, and ignorance means gross materialism. So, ignorance of our spiritual nature, uh, gross materialism, uh, misconception of our uh, spiritual identity, and misconceptions about what chanting Hare Krishna is all about, all these things become eradicated by this lila or pastime. Kaliya, another snake. So Kaliya represents false pride or snake-like crookedness, deviousness, mercilessness. So uh, that's there within everyone's heart. There are two pastimes which are very similar, and we categorize them together later on. But there are two forest fires that Krishna swallowed, if you remember. And uh, one of them relates to... uh, this destroys external obstacles. This is a very good one to remember. Uh, those obstacles which arise due to arguments between groups, organizations, religions, wars, wherever there's an argument between two groups in the family. So by hearing that particular pastime, uh, those things are removed as obstacles to devotional service. Pralambasura, a very good one to meditate on. 
uh, Lord Baladev killed Pralamba, and he specifically represents lust for women or men's lust or women's lust for men. Uh, and uh, a, a Vaishnav is meant to uh, being aware of all of these anointers uh, to pray to Lord Krishna very intensely and very sincerely for the purification of these. The other Dhavanala, uh, forest fire, uh, was similar. It's meant to protect uh, religious principles from atheism. Uh, the Yagika Vipras, or the sacrificial Brahmins, they are, what do they represent? They are pride due to Varnashram, Smarta Brahmins, pride due to Varnashram, one's position in Varnashram. So this becomes destroyed by uh, hearing this thing. Mm. And Indra Puja, or Govardhan Leela, that eradicates uh, the false conceptions of demigod worship uh, and identifying oneself uh, with the Supreme, which was Indra's misconception. Uh, Varuna, when Nanda Maharaj took away Varuna and bringing Nanda Maharaj back from Varuna, destroys the misconception, should have been read here by a previous Acharya, that one can practice spiritual life uh, and it can be enriched by taking intoxicants. Because you can make your spiritual life better if you take intoxication. It's amazing, everything is there. There's nothing missing. Sarpa uh, Hoyte, uh, or killing of the snake that uh, tried to swallow up Nanda Baba when he was sleeping at night. So this represents uh, rescuing devotional service from snake represents Mayavad philosophy. So to protect oneself from the association of Mayavadis or to free oneself from Mayavad contamination, uh, one hears this particular pastime. Shankachuda, when Krishna went and for Sandipani Muni, he brought back, uh, hmm, uh, what's his name? Madhumanga from uh, the ocean. So the Sankachuda uh, is uh, killing, uh, uh, this destroys the desire for name, fame, and bad association of women. Aristasura, uh, the uh, big, big horse. So this is pride due to practicing other bogus religions, and result of that is disrespect to the pure devotees. Hmm? Bo. Bo. Arista, oh yeah, sorry. Arista is Bo. And Keshi uh, is the uh, horse, and he destroys false vanity. False vanity specifically says that I'm a big guru, I'm a big devotee. And opul attachment to opulence and worldly achievement. And the last one is Vyomasura. And uh, that story represents the destruction of uh, giving up bad association, association of uh, thieves and rascals and people posing as devotees. So these are all anarthas, these are all impurities within the heart. Uh, Bhakti Notakwa quotes uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, 2nd Canto, ninth chapter, uh, the siege locus, uh, where uh, Lord Narayan explains to Lord Brahma that uh, Vitaritat, Vitaritat, 
Yapratita, Napratita, Chatmati, that one should Anvayad Vatarikya Bham, Yatrat Sarvatra Sarvada, Anvayad Vatarikya Bham, that one should search it on up to this. He said that one should pursue spiritual life up to this both directly and indirectly. So Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the Jiva Goswami gives one explanation. He explains that directly means to follow the rules and regulations and indirectly is to uh, avoid offenses and so on. Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains it a different way. He says that anvaya directly means uh, that one should practice the nitya or eternal pastimes and that indirectly means the naimitika uh, or uh, these other pastimes. So both of these should be practiced uh, by the uh, aspiring devotee who wants to achieve it up to this, up to that platform, both directly and indirectly. And so he says, while anarthas are present, one cannot enter deeply into these pastimes, namely eternal pastimes. So one should practice cultivating both of these, namely the uh, direct and indirect. And when the anarthas are gone, then one becomes qualified for uh, entering into the Lord Nityata. That's why we say it like that, Om Nityata. So I'm going to stop, and uh, well, tomorrow we'll see what we can do in terms of uh, verse 1. We certainly don't have any time for that now. And uh, we'll start at 7.30, and maybe we can uh, do first and second verse, and then leave the third verse, uh, which could be a longer topic for the next day. Anyone have any particular questions? The reason I want to bring these two together, as I mentioned, is that when we go through, for instance, uh, I went through different types of pride here, and as we write down, we'll see that there are actually seven different demons who represent different types of pride. I'll just go, you don't have to write, but I'll just go quickly. It's like, for instance, uh, pride from uh, past habits, scholarship, aristocracy, varnashram, due to crookedness, practicing bogus religion, being the big guru, and so on. So these all different prides all correspond to different types of things which are there later. And other obstacles, which Raghunath Das Goswami speaks about, relate to these particular things. And they become a very meaningful uh, and uh, relevant way whereby we can actually work on purifying those things by hearing these particular topics. So the important thing with this Manashiksha is that we should practice it. And we shouldn't just hear it, but we should actually work on it, try to practice it ourselves. I uh, gave copies, everyone's got copies of the first verses. You can try to menor- memorize these. These are like sort of things that most Vaishnavas of note, note, not even Vaishnavas of note, but just general Vaishnavas. They're sort of like knowing Sarvadharma and that type of thing. So in... Uh, uh, India, all Gaudiya Vaishnavas will know uh, these verses. And uh, they can be memorized and learned and chanted. They're very nice, uh, although they're not easy. They're more complicated Sanskrit than we're generally used to. And uh, they're also uh, different meters. Anyway, nonetheless, they're very important. And it's certainly something that we need, mana shiksha. Right? We're always getting instructions from our mind. There's an opportunity to give some instructions to our mind. Because that seems to be most of our struggle here in Krishna consciousness. So, 
Acharya is being very merciful. Raghunath Das Goswami has no problem with his mind. But he knows that uh, we do as practicing devotees, and therefore he's uh, giving us some hints, some direction. Uh, that may be. That's because we only made 18 copies. Uh, you can just ask for someone else to bid and just copy it. Um, we have enough verses to start with. At least try to read them and know what uh, verse 1 and 2 are by tomorrow. I don't mean memorize them, but at least have read at least what they mean in English. If you do not. Anything else? Somebody? It's not being being and, yet, and then we also spoke of worshipping Lord Nishingadev. Yes. Uh, yes, just like we worship Lord Nishingadev. We worship Lord Nishingadev. Why? We worship Lord Nishingadev to become, to protect the Krishna consciousness movement and to free us from obstacles so we can become servants of Radha and Krishna. We don't worship Lord Nishingadev to become his servant. So Lord Nishingadev is not our Ishtadev. But obviously, how can we be disrespectful or even less than worshipful to any form of Krishna? Because they're all Krishna. But uh, our approach to them is not that they are, we want to become their uh, associates. We want to go to Vaikuntha and, and uh, so on, or we want to go to Ayodhya and so on. But we want their help in actually just serving Krishna just like we worship Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman. Not because we want to go to Ayodhya. We don't want to become Ayodhya Bhakti. It's not our destination. But Lord Ram is Mayada Vatikrama. Mayada Purushottama. So he shows the perfect example of how to follow rules and regulations. And for us, following rules and regulations is very important. But we want to follow rules and regulations not in order to become a servant of Sita Devi, but we want to become a servant of Radharani. So, showing respect and worshipping, but are different goals. I'll just tell one story about Raghunath Das Goswami, uh, regarding sort of his exclusive... Uh, I'll start out in India. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive uh, relation, that's the only way to get rid of him. <laughs> have to catch him and throw him out of the room. Uh, exclusive dependence on Srimati Radharani. Raghunath Das Goswami, he uh, decreased his, uh, when uh, he was living in Radhakund, he would just eat fruit. He didn't eat solid foods, cooked foods. And when Sanatana Goswami left from the world and he stopped eating fruit and he just uh, he would eat fruit and he would drink some buttermilk. And uh, he would just then drink water or some buttermilk. And after Rupa Goswami disappeared, then he stopped eating and drinking altogether. And he just lived for many years just on chanting Hare Krishna. So he didn't consume anything, either solid or liquid. And uh, that's why he also went blind from that. Uh, because you go blind from not eating. Still didn't, uh, in terms of showing what humility is, even though Raghunath Das, he, was, he wasn't actually able to move by himself. He was so weak. Uh, he was so renounced. 
And uh, but still, anytime any Vaishnav would come, doesn't matter whether they were the most neophyte devotees, he would offer full obeisances to them. And although they tried to stop them, he wouldn't let them stop him. But the problem was that when he paid his obeisances, he couldn't get up because he didn't have enough strength. So then someone else would actually have to get him up. So that's we were talking about. You have to develop humility. That's the real humility of uh, such elevated devotees uh, that are always offering obeisances, even when completely uh, invalid. Anyway, there was one associate of Raghunath Das Goswami, Bridgebasi, whose name was Das. He was a cowherdman. And uh, he used to bring Raghunath Das Goswami some buttermilk, chudge, every day or every second day. And in India you have these uh, leaves and they just make, they just take the leaf and they just sort of put a fold in it and put a little uh, splinter and it just makes sort of a cup. So as much was fit in a cup, then he would eat just one cupful. That was all that he would eat. So this uh, uh, Das gentleman, he had this idea that I'm going to go find some big leaves. And then we have to do this more. So he went to, uh, it was going around, it was going around Govardhan Hill, then uh, on one part of Govardhan, uh, there's a place called Saki Stali, and that's the place of Chandravali. So he got Chandravali as uh, Radharani's uh, rival. Uh, and so there are rival parties there. She's also, she's also an expansion of Radharani, but for the sake of making, enriching the pastime, so uh, she's a uh, rival to Radharani amongst the two, all the gopis, they're the two foremost, Chandravali, and Srimati Radharani is superior to Chandravali because of her, because of her being actually the origin of Chandravali and also because of her mood. Anyway, uh, he went to the Sakistan and found big leaves, so in this big leaf he bought some buttermilk. And when he gave it to Raghunath two hands, he said, where did you get this leaf from? And he said, oh, I got it from Sakistani. So as soon as he heard that word, then Raghunath Goswami immediately just threw the whole thing away and got very furious. And then after a few hours, when he calmed down, then he explained to the man that Sakistani, that's the place of Chandravali, and we're servants of Radharani. We don't have anything to do. We don't want to take a leaf <laughs> from what is what to speak of going there. So it's so better you just don't go to that place. So that was Ragnar Das Goswami's exclusive dependence on Radharani. Don't forget your question. Uh, I don't understand the question of the Shiksha Guru. We have to accept Shiksha Guru just like uh, Diksha Guru or no, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, Shiksha Guru, Diksha Guru, same equally. But we'll discuss that tomorrow when we talk about different types of guru, goshe, guru, guru in the plural sense. Anything else? Okay, that's it. Our time's up. Thank you very much.